This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. This week on Hangar Talk, some awards for some very deserving aviators. And an all-civilian space crew could include you. We go through a slew of new airplane announcements. But we talk about the SFARs, which were not extended. Finally, masks in the cockpit. Need them? Don't need them? I don't know, David. We'll find out more when we get to that subject, Ian. Meanwhile, welcome to Hangar Talk. All right, let's do it. From AOPA, your freedom to fly. This is Hangar Talk. Yeah, 1056, turn right, heading 130, contact final 132.4. Turn right, turn right, turn right. With your hosts, Ian Twombly and David Tulitz. This is Hangar Talk. Welcome to Hangar Talk, everybody. I'm Ian Twombly. And I'm David Tulis. David, our guest this week, it's a guy you met from an outgrowth of a project that I think is just so cool that people are really going to like. And this is a, it's an aviation song playlist. Right you are, Ian. And thanks a lot to all of our podcast listeners and other folks who have sent us songs through the years that they prefer to listen to while they're flying or have a flying reference or is about aviation. And we're going to talk to big city Brian Wright. He's a cargo hauling pilot and a Nashville country musician and an overall good guy. And he has a lot to tell us about the cargo hauling world, options for pilots, and how to pursue your dreams. Okay, cool. And Brian and I connected after he contributed a couple of ideas to the AOPA Top 100 Flying Songs, which Pandora picked up, Ian. And folks can get this playlist if they have pandora it's a free app doesn't cost anything if when you get pandora type in this search phrase aopa top 100 you will get 100 aviation related songs and you know, we can always use more but it's a start <laughs> it's a start i can't believe there are even 100 well it's the fifth year that we've put the list together initially it was for the grammys the grammys this year were supposed to be in the end of january they were postponed to march but we want to get that well, that playlist out there because i'm going to tell you there's some pretty cool songs on it and it really inspires a lot of folks to do more aviation very cool okay so We'll talk to Brian a little bit later on, but let's start off with the news. So talking about things that have been delayed this year. Now, the Hoover Awards, which AOPA is now done for the third year. Typically, we do these in person at the old terminal at National. It's a really cool event, but of course, COVID changed that, delayed it. And so we presented these virtually last week, and three aviators were recognized during the presentation and three really deserving people, fantastic awards here. So 
Let's start with the first. Now, the, the Bob Hoover Award was given, obviously, in Bob Hoover's name, and this year went to Burt Rutan. And Burt Rutan, as folks will know, is a supreme designer of aircraft, an engineer extraordinaire. Not to mention lamb chop sideburns. But he's a good guy. Like I ran into him at a EA Air Venture at the Corn Roast that you like so much at the you know, at the seaplane site, he's just a cool guy. He had a great discussion then, and he was even talking about maybe coming out with another new model, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of design. Mm-hmm. But he was recognized for his outstanding uh, airmanship, leadership, and passion for aviation that he's had for so long. And, and don't forget that Rutan designed 49 aircraft, Ian, including the Voyager, which flew around the world in 1986, and Spaceship One. Yeah, one thing I love about him is he's he speaks his mind, which is a little unusual sometimes, you know, with people who design and build airplanes that, you know, things are spoken sort of in code, but he is very direct. And so somebody asked about eVTOLs, which, you know, something he obviously would have an opinion on. And he said, basically, they're all doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> but what, what's the love. right way, Bert? Tell us. You know? Yeah, Come well, on. so he says, oh, I've got an idea. So, yeah, we'll see. But really interesting guy. Obviously, his his you know contributions to aviation are, are I mean, too many to, to list here, but very deserving. And so a new award that we did this year was the Brigadier General Charles E. McGee Aviation Inspiration Award, for named after, of course, Brigadier General Charles McGee. And it went to a guy who who you've gotten to know and, and really, really like and, and respect. Yeah, indeed, Ian. I appreciate you bringing it up. So U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Kenyatta Ruffin, he received the Brigadier General Charles E. McGee Aviation Inspiration Award, the inaugural award. And Kenyatta is part of our high school STEM aviation curriculum sort of guiding committee. And he's spoken at a couple of the high school STEM symposiums that we've talked about here on the podcast and elsewhere. And he's just a good guy. He's just a a very easy person to get to know. And he does bring a lot of inspiration himself to the next generation. Let me just tell you, I think that he's a, a truly a deserving person for that award. And Charles McGee, I mean, I had the good fortune to fly with him. That's awesome. Yeah, on, on a jet. And he was at the controls of this uh, base of this Cirrus jet. And the guy, I mean, he flew P-51 Mustangs way back when. But the guy is is just a good stick, you know. At, at <laughs> he o- still got it, huh? Yeah, man, at over yeah. 100 years old. I mean, my goodness. But he, he's a bright light in aviation, too. And, and you know, a T- Tuskegee Airman, and he fought in three wars. And this is like... That's amazing. Yeah, Colonel... Um, Brigadier General McGee, he used to be a colonel, but uh, Brigadier General McGee is just uh, a, a top-notch individual as well. But why don't we um, pitch from that to the General Aviation Safety Award, Ian, and let us know about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't think of a more deserving recipient here. It's BRS Aerospace Founder Boris Popov. And of course, if you've heard of you know the Cirrus CAP system and so many others on so many different types of aircraft, that is the BRS system. Boris and his team originally developed that, the whole airframe parachute. I mean, it, it's pretty incredible. There are very few things in aviation, I think, that you can point at and say, this one invention saved X amount of lives. But when you're talking about the BRS system, the CAP system, I mean, this guy goes to bed at night thinking, I have saved people's lives. I mean, clear as day. I, it's it's a phenomenal system. Works incredibly well. Very creative, innovative, and uh, really a deserving winner. Absolutely. And, you know, the BRS system has been adopted not just in the Cirrus aircraft, but also in a lot of light sport aircraft as well. And, you know, Ian, you can get it in a Cessna 182. I 
can't remember if you can get it in a 172 or not, but I know you can get it in a 182 and, and other models as well. I kind of don't see why now, I guess I do see why, because it costs a few bucks, but I was wondering why wouldn't more people adopt that in the general aviation crowd if it's approved for that airplane? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And, you know, you talk to a lot of Cirrus owners and they say the reason they bought a Cirrus over, let's say, a Bonanza or a Mooney or, or, you know, something else comparable is because of the the CAP system, which, you know, the BRS system, you know, they BRS credits 438 lives saved. It's it's pretty phenomenal. So very deserving winner. Previous winners of that award include, you know, people like Dick Van Grunsven from Vans and some others. And so, yeah, we'll do those again next year. And uh, congrats to those from the Hoover Awards. It was a great presentation. Absolutely. Agreed. Well, why don't we jump on to the next topic that we're going to talk about, which would be the all civilian space crew. Yeah. And Ian, I don't know if you know more about this than me, but this seems like the coolest thing to happen in a while. It is very cool. Very cool. I mean, I think, you know, any pilot, uh, you ask them, hey, it's like, you know, would you go to space if you got the opportunity? And they would all drop it and say, absolutely. You know, it's like, drop anything, go for it. Yes, I would love to do that. And so now actually you have a chance. Jared Isaacman, who is really active in various philanthropic endeavors and not to mention has started billion dollar companies, has essentially chartered SpaceX to be able to go to space, but then bring along some friends with him. Well, yeah, and the and the really interesting part about that, Ian, is that the second member of the crew will come from the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And he told he told us that in a chat with AOPA to Jim Moore. And the thing about St. Jude's Hospital, if you will recall from some of the TV commercials, is that it is a healthcare facility that gives free F-R-E-E healthcare to children that need it, to families that need it, that can't pay for healthcare, that are under having serious medical concerns. So it's a completely philanthropic endeavor. And I mean, you just got to love that. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, so there are four seats. Jared's going to be the commander, actually, of the flight. So he'll take one. Now, he's got some flight chops, too, Ian. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, he's deserving. In fact, his personal airplane is a MiG-29. So, you know, (laughs) I think he'll be fine. So yeah, it's him. The one you mentioned from St. Jude, she was a, it's an incredible story. She was a patient who became a healthcare provider there. So she'll be on board. And then they want to raise 200 million for St. Jude. He, Jared has personally pledged a hundred million. And if you make a donation, and this is open to anybody, if you make a donation, you are entered for a chance to win one of those seats. Well, I wonder what the minimum donation would be. I don't, I don't have a, uh, you know, a million dollars, but you know, maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah. You can do it. Uh, you got it. Every dollar gets 10 entries up to 10,000. So there you go. Okay, I'm going to uh, make a donate note. Donate a buck, get 10 <laughs> I'm entries. I'm going to make a note. Yeah. Let's both do it. <laughs> yeah. And then the fourth member is, you know, to kind of have a nod to, his, to Jared's entrepreneurial kind of spirit. There's essentially a, an online process that entrepreneurs can go through and, and win that fourth seat. So it's pretty amazing. I mean, you're t- they're planning on going by the end of the year. It'll be an orbital flight. And so, yeah, so throw a few bucks to St. Jude and you got a chance to go to space. I like it, Ian. You know, and uh, someone who started out like Isaacman did flying a Cessna 182, making it all the way to the MiGs. That's pretty good. It's awesome. So I think that we could all follow in his footsteps and what a what a great give back to to humanity. Yep. 
So actually, one of the things that he does is fly air shows. And, and obviously, an airplane that is integral to the air show scene is the Extras. Oh, yeah. A new model, the Extra NG, has been certified, an unlimited aerobatic category. And they call it the NG because this is the first all-composite extra. Yeah, so I wrote a, a quick hit on this one. Dave Hirschman rung that airplane out. You know, it was introduced in 2019 at AirVenture. And it is, as you mentioned, Ian, all composite construction, carbon fiber. And it's a departure for the extra aircraft company because it's typically a tubular constructed airplane. And uh, the tubes have been eliminated, basically. And the NG stands for next generation. So it is a radical departure. But the aircraft gives us a little bit more room in the cockpit because the the basically the roll cage isn't there, you know, taking up room. And it also is super strong. So, you know, Walter Extra figured out a way to make the airframe just as strong, if not stronger than metal tubes, and also cut the weight. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, this thing is a monster. It, you can go full ill on deflection. Think about this. Full deflection, which, of course, these things, you can slam them over and they spin so fast you can't keep up, right? So you can go full deflection up to 187 knots. And you can do a, a snap roll up to 140 knots. I mean, that just blows my mind. That's like whip your head off kind of speeds. It would be. What else blew my mind when Dave Hirschman rung it out? And, and just think about that. I'm just trying to coach this in like... Cessna 150 speeds or Mooney speeds, yeah, right. et cetera. <laughs> they, he clocked 12 seconds and 1,500 feet altitude gain. That is in 12 seconds. Yeah. 1,500 feet gain in 12 seconds. And that was during a 4G pull to vertical for a hammerhead. But now it's got a pretty monstrous engine in there, Ian. It's a 315 horsepower Lycoming AEIO 580 engine. And that composite three-blade MT propeller prop, the whole package is what you've got here. When you've got a, a super maneuverable airplane, super quick, and a pretty darn strong engine and prop pulling you along. Yeah, very cool airplane. So I think we'll see lots of those on the air show circuit soon. And the price for a little bit over $400,000. Failed to mention that. <laughs> so four hundred fifty. So kind of the other end of the spectrum, which is, you know, if the extra is all about performance, Textron is going all about comfort. They just announced the CJ4, which has been out for a number of years now, the first real update to that, they're calling it the CJ4 Gen 2, and they focus mainly on the interior of this. So the Cessna Citation line that we're talking about, the 525 series, Ian, is a single pilot certification type of aircraft, uh, which is really good. It appeals to a lot of owner operators that basically are, are using their airplanes for business. And it comes with a max cruise of 451 knots, a maximum IFR range of 1,926 nautical miles, and seats up to 10 passengers with about a 1,040-pound baggage capacity. And uh, the airplane sells for just around $10 million. Yeah, you know, the CJ series, I think, has been known as a great performing series, you know, good pilot's airplane, but I think Textron has kind of had to work on the interior a little bit. So it doesn't surprise me that they've focused on that, especially when you're looking at, you know, competitors like Phenoms, which are known to have beautiful interiors and, and you know, some others. So I think this is a good move for them. It, it's surprising to me, actually, that it's been the first update in 10 years. Well, 11 now. So 
good to see them, you know, investing in the product line. Absolutely. And uh, that's a good point you brought up about the interior because I was recently on a, a regular citation, a citation one, if you will, for that fly-off that we had, a Tamarack winglet fly-off versus a non-winglet airplane. And I would say the interior was fine. I wouldn't call it utilitarian. I, that I would say it was just, mm-hmm. you know, a standard interior, but this takes it up a whole nother level. And it's just super deluxe. And, you know, that could really be appealing to folks who are trying to get things done as they're getting from one place to another. It just makes a lot of difference to your passengers. Yeah. And if you're spending 10 million bucks, it's like you want something at least as good as the car that you get out of to get into the airplane. You know, I mean, it's like if you're if your car interior, you know, and your car's 50 grand or whatever it is for the people who have these kind of uh, airplanes. I mean, if you're if you're downgrading when you're getting into your jet, there's a problem. So it's like, you know, I think buyers these days, they expect top of the line. Cup holders everywhere, you know, leather seats, Sirius XM satellite radio. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. So, hey, I said airplanes at the top of the show. I should have said aircraft because uh-huh. uh, last bit of uh, bit of news here is through Rotorway. Now, Rotorway is, if you can believe it, an experimental helicopter, experimental amateur built helicopter. There's hundreds of them flying. And now the company has been sold to Rotor X, and they've renamed it the Rotor X Aircraft Manufacturing Company. So now, Ian, you have a lot more experience with this company than I do, but I remember looking at those helicopters from way back when, thinking, "Boy, it would sure be cool if I could if I could find one, build one, or own one one day." Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, but give us the latest on that. So they've sold the company, and what's going to happen? And 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 tell us a little bit more about that model. Yeah. So they currently are only producing one model. The new owner has upgraded it. They're calling it, it was the A six hundred. They're now they're calling it the AX six hundred. It's 168 horsepower. It's two seats. A nice thing about experimentals, it's dual electronic ignition, decent, useful load. So they're, they're not really changing a whole lot else. I will say this stuff, a lot of the stuff comes pre-assembled. So you buy the kit, it comes, you know, the airframe tail boom engine rotor system. That's all pre-assembled, which is really nice. The engine, which I find interesting, is proprietary. So it's not like you're dropping a Lycoming or a Rotax or something else in it. You are actually dropping a, a rotorway engine, engine into the helicopter. So but if you're looking on, you know, flying on a budget, I mean, the kit or, or you're a tinkerer, the kit's 88000 bucks. So, you know, uh, if you've got confidence and some wrenches, you know, you go might for do it. That. That's a lot yeah. less than the $10 million we were just talking about on That's the right. That's citation. Right. But, you know, for $90,000, I mean, think about that. I mean, a, a lot of new SUVs are like 45000 yeah. bucks. Heck, I saw oh, a yeah. Nissan truck least, listed yeah. for $60,000. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, 88 grand and some time in your garage, uh, that might be worth doing. Yeah. So we'll see what they, you know, what they kind of interject into the brand. They're saying they're going to offer factory training. So yeah, it's good. Good to see them plugging along. I want to talk about uh, some disappointing news we'll say, which is that the FAA has decided not to extend the pandemic as far as. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a, of a surprise uh, to a lot of folks in the aviation industry. And then AOPA has actually had actually asked to extend some of these regulation suspensions for a while. And so it really means that a lot of folks who had their medicals due or IFR currency or flight reviews or for CFIs, their FERCs, you know, y'all, you really need to check in and see what's going on. If you haven't already updated that information or, or haven't already completed those tests, it now would be the time to double check on that and make sure that, you're, you, that you are flying within the regulations. Yeah, I suppose I, I need to eat a little crow here because when we talked about this, oh boy, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, 
I'd said, oh, well, you know, COVID's still really, you know, plugging along. And it's like, clearly there are still impacts. People are having a hard time getting AMEs and, you know, currency done and stuff like that. I think I was like, oh, I think the FAO will extend it. And sure enough, they haven't. So, yeah, I mean, you make a great point. I think you got to go into the FAA site or AOPA, look at that S4 information, because chances are, if you've been holding out for the flight review or a medical or something like that, it's, it's going to be due and you got to get on it. So just to let folks know, the, the most recent extension ran out on January 31st. So it, we are now in February. So your time has run out. So double check on that. Yep. So from one confusing issue to another, and that is the CDC mask mandate. So lots of news about this with the international flights, but of course, they are also putting mandates out TSA and some others about travel on aircraft in general. And this can be quite confusing. So as we understand it, the CDC has put out a mask mandate and it includes aviation in that language, but commercial aviation specifically. And so AOPA and others are looking into exactly what that means. Yeah. And just reading our most recent story on the matter by Dan Namowitz, my colleagues, you know, it looks like uh, Dan has pointed out that the order carves out a few exemptions including children under the age of two and others for whom, you know, wearing a mask would be problematic. But don't forget, here's the cool part, that anyone aboard a a private conveyance operated solely for personal non-commercial use has been carved out as far as we can tell. And so what that means is like your regular part 91 pilots and you're flying you and your family or friend, not for hire from point A to point B. And now as long as uh, that's within the, the, your personal guidelines, you know, which is a little bit different than regs. But I think that that's an interesting carve out for that. But make no mistake, not on any kind of a commercial flight. You got to mask up on commercial flights. Yeah. So NBAA and NATA and, and others have, it seems pretty clear that if you're flying like 135 or maybe even some type Part 91 operations and certainly 121, all the passengers will have to have masks. And if they're over two years old, that is. But one question is, is, you know, the crew. And so the FAA has said, well, under workplace guidelines that where there's a carve out, you know, there's a carve out for, for workplace considerations. They'll, they said, well, you don't have to wear a mask as the, as the crew. So, you know, just, I would say in a commercial operation, it's like, you know, you're going to be working with the director of operations and safety and uh, to figure out what's the right approach there. But for other operators, I mean, you and I were talking before we started, it's like things like flight instruction, I mean, it's not, the FAA doesn't consider it, you know, for hire per se, but maybe the CDC feels differently or, or you brought up the, what you do often, which is aerial photography. Yeah. I think that's a specific instance that a lot of folks could relate to And If you're doing some aerial photography, say it's from a helicopter and uh, basically that would mean that the pilot taking you up, knowing that you, the photographer is going to be getting paid for this and you're paying the pilot or the, the flight company to take you up. So that puts it into a commercial operation at that point. So it, so that means that it's a commercial operation. That would mean pilot and photographer mask it up. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of questions there. I will say, if you do have questions about your operation, call the pilot information center, call AOPA. They've been through a lot of these, been working with the FAA to try and make sure that everybody's, we know exactly what's going on, know what we need to do. And with the CDC, I should say. So definitely give us a call if you have any questions there, but want to move on to some more fun news and more fun stories. And that's with uh, your buddy, Big City Brian Wright. 
right, we're going to talk to Big City Brian Wright in just a minute, and he was an awesome guest. But listen, I want folks to to really take a listen to that AOPA Top 100 Flying Songs. If you can't find it on the AOPA.org site, just do a quick search for AOPA Top 100 Flying Songs. They're now on Pandora. Um, I did list ways that you can get them else, else ways uh, through iTunes. Uh, and all, you can all, always sample these uh, via YouTube for free. And there's a way to get them on Spotify. Jill Tallman helped us out with that, our colleague Jill Tallman. But let's talk to big city Brian Wright, who has written a song called Sky Trucker. And he's got to tell us a little bit more about it. So without further ado, here's big city Brian Wright. Welcome to Hangar Talk, Big City Brian Wright. I'm talking to you uh, in Alaska. You're en route to a cargo hauling mission over to Asia. And for folks who haven't haven't heard of Brian yet, we're going to solve that in a little bit. But Brian is a cargo hauling Nashville country musician, pilot, and also we have some ties to Georgia. Welcome to Hangar Talk, Brian. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, just got back from Anchorage, so I'm trying to wake up, or just got back from Asia, so I'm trying to wake up here in Anchorage. Uh, got my caffeine in hand, so I'm ready for you, man. All right, well, I'm glad to, to grab you today. And listen, I need to let our Hangar Talk podcast listeners know that one reason we're chatting is that over here at AOPA, we've been putting together a um, an aviation playlist for a number of years. It's It's got a bunch of songs on it that were were, you know, basically brought to my attention by other aviators, including myself and including Brian, who we have on the line. But this aviation playlist has grown to a hundred songs and we just published it, just got published on Pandora, which is basically affiliated with Sirius XM Aviation. And so I want folks to know that they could find some of your tunes on this list if they go to AOPA Top 100 Flying Songs. Just do a little search for that. They'll find Sky Trucker. And speaking of Sky Trucker, Brian, tell us a little bit about cargo aviation, uh, being a cargo pilot. It's not something that we come across all the time. And I do think that folks might be interested in it. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, you know, it's kind of a more of a mysterious side of aviation just because there's not a as large of a pilot base or or really just flying business with it. But uh, after 9-11, you know, uh, that was one of the more stable places to be as far as the pilot world. And uh, that's when I got interested in it. And it, it took me a long time to get, get where I am because of, uh, you know, the way the industry has been going in the hiring and, and availability and all. But it was something that I was interested in for stability purposes, but, you know, I had been in the, I flew passengers in the airline world for 18 years. And honestly, it's really stressful. You know, I mean, you're in an airline terminal, people are on the edge because they don't know if they're going to get where they're going to get. And it's just, a, there's a lot of hypersensitivity, you know, going on in that environment and it's loud, man, it, it just wears you out. And then cargo flying is a little bit more of a stable income and and job wise but it's also you take away all of the all of the everybody's emotions that are in that airline terminal and, you, and you're in there with a the crew 
flying an airplane. It's super quiet. You're not interacting with a lot of people on the ground. It's just kind of more laid back. I've, I, I enjoy it way more than I ever thought I would. Well, the other thing is that, you know, the cargo is not going to be complaining about the ride or anything like that, or where's their coffee or, you know, <laughs> any other kind of thing. But, but it's got to be stressful. I mean, I'm talking to you, you're in Alaska. You said you just returned from Asia and it, it you know, your day must be all over the place, you know, the different time zones and stuff like that. Tell me about that. It is. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the one part of it that probably takes more getting used to than any of it. But once you kind of figure out your, your way of doing it, you know, most guys, and I'll just tell you this, cause there's probably not a lot of people that may not know this, but most people, you know, they, they'll live by, well, not wouldn't say most of them, but some of them uh, go by the motto, you know, sleep when you're tired, eat when you're hungry. And they, and they just do whatever they got to do to get by. I kind of try to stay on home time, which is central time for me. And that works out pretty well because when we're operating halfway around the world, you might be up in the middle of the night, you know, going to the gym or talking to your family, which is odd for if you're trying to hang out with people in Japan, for instance. But, you know, you're not there to hang out with people in Japan. You're there to fly airplanes when, when the company tells you to go fly airplanes. So I just stay on my home time and, and that works out really well. And the only time you ever really get messed up is when you're doing the crossings you know, over the Pacific or over the Atlantic coming home, because those are usually at, at the oddball times. But then when you land, you know, you get back on your, get back on your schedule. And by the time you're home, man, I'm, I'm usually caught up on sleep and I'm, and I'm right on home schedule. So that's the way it should work out for me today, actually. So let me see if I get this straight. When you're overseas right now, you're trying to keep a normal Nashville home schedule besides the actual crossings themselves, which are gonna, like you said, be at odd hours, just depending on what, what the cargo schedule, what the cargo company wants. Right. Yeah, right, right. What the dispatcher is giving you. It, it works out. It really works out pretty good. Cause you're, you know, we're usually like Europe is, it's not quite a half a day off, maybe seven, you know, hours off. And then Asia is usually close to 12 hours off, depending on where, where you're at. So it, it works out to where you're kind of about uh, the opposite of where you are at home. But we typically fly at night anyway, just because that's the way cargo works. For people that don't understand that, you know, if you're trying to ship something, a guy arrives at your house, he picks up the package. And so he does that all day long, you know, during the daytime, he's picking up and receiving packages. He takes it to a sort facility and they gather all the packages together and then they figure out where they're going to go. And they usually put them on a 18 wheeler and then they haul them to a, a larger sort facility, which is kind of like the hub and spoke system of the people airline world. And then they get sorted there and then they end up on an airplane going somewhere. Well, if guy collects packages all day, and then in the, at the end of the day, they drive them up to the big sort, which is the hub, then the airplanes take off at night. And then that sends them reverse order. You're going from the hub out to a smaller place, and then they'll sort it. Then they'll put it on a smaller truck and send it out to wherever the package is going eventually. So it's kind of, that's your next day air is what, it, is what that is right there. So it's got to go at night for folks to receive their package in the daytime. Yeah. That's right. So uh, it only makes sense to fly at night. Well, they, you know, we fly at night for the most part. I mean, we do have quite a bit of daytime flying actually, but you know, for the most part you are flying at night. So if you're, if you're flying at night in Europe or if you're flying at night in Asia, then it's daytime at home. So you're kind of on your, you know, your hometown. Well, I'll tell you, that's an interesting setup. I've actually been to the UPS facility over in Louisville. We had a AFPA high school STEM symposium there a couple of years ago, and we got to see that sort facility. It was pretty cool. And I've been to the FedEx one as well. 
over in Memphis um, on another assignment was my good buddy, Dave Hirschman, who's one of my instructors here back here in Frederick. So I, I kind of understand a little bit how it works, but it's, it's still a tough way to make a living because you got that opposite schedule going a, lo- a good bit of the time. And, and you know, everybody finds their little niche. It's just like every other flying job, you know, where you have, I mean, we're a 24 seven operation. Uh, the passengers are, are kind of a, you know, 24 seven operation for the international stuff. So everybody kind of finds their little niche and what they like, but the, you know, the guys that fly the domestic stuff, I think, uh, have it a little bit harder. I mean, uh, they do fly at a true nighttime. Uh, not all of them, but, uh, a quite a, you know, I would say a majority of the flying is at night and, uh, and they're, but they're in the U S you know, where they live. So they actually do have to kind of flip their body around on a weekly basis. So that, I think that'd be a little bit tougher, but then they're flying shorter legs too. I think I understand it's because, because your routes are more overseas, it's not affecting you as much as it would be if you were flying domestic here in the U S now I get it. I was a little confused because I had the same trouble today, uh, doing a procedure turn. So, you know, <laughs> it's easy to get turned around. <laughs> exactly. I will let, let me let folks know about your website, big city, Brian. So it's big city, Brian, right. W R I G H T.com. And so, you're not, you are not only a aviation cargo pilot, your other love is music and you write country music songs. We have one on the top 100 aviation flying songs playlist, and it is called Sky Trucker. And you and I went through a lot of trouble to get this going. I really like the song a lot. And I wanted to make sure that we included it on the AOPA top 100 flying songs. Tell me about the inspiration for Sky Trucker. We've already gone over some of it, but I want to hear it from you. Well, years ago, I was hanging out. I've got a houseboat over on a lake just east of uh, Nashville. And, and the guy next next door to me was a truck driver. And so I was sit, sitting there chatting with him, and I didn't know that at the time. And and he started telling me he was a truck driver, and then he asked what I did. And I said, well, I'm kind of like you. I said, I'm a pilot. You know, I, I fly cargo. But we we have basically the same job. We're we're just at different altitudes. So I said, well, I'm, I'm kind of like you know, I kind of like a sky trucker or whatever. And uh, I I had a I had a bunch of ideas for some flying songs, and and I'm not a I don't plan a lot of my inspiration. I kind of wait until it hits me before I write something, and and that one kind of got me thinking, and uh, ended up writing that song called Sky Trucker. So. It's a great song. I tell you, the other song that's really cool as heck, folks could take a look at via YouTube of Summertime. I just think that song's a hoot. Yeah. It's a, a lot of fun. And actually, I think, um, I, I want to say your wife makes a, a cameo, at least via audio on that one. Uh, but it sound, looks like some of your family's on that as well, on the video. They are they're the cheapest talent that I can hire to put in any of these music videos that we make. <laughs> yeah. Definitely the way to go. Well, so Sky Trucker really is close to your heart. And you're talking... The song talks a little bit about how how hard the job could be, and you're away from the family and things like that. But I mean, it's a good tune. But um, tell me about a couple of the other songs that you've got, Brian. You've all you've got several that are aviation based. You were you sent me a note about Contrails, and uh, another one called Wings. Tell me about them. I've got a flying album that I'm going to try and put out probably towards the end of this year, and it's. I, it's just songs that I've collected. I didn't really have enough songs for it yet. I'm actually writing another one right now that I think is going to be kind of cool. But as far as contrails, it's kind of like a, you know, guys getting rid of the girl or or leaving a relationship situation. And, 
and all of those, you know, relational type songs, when you leave, you always, it's always, you know, the, you're looking in the rear view mirror or, or you're walking away or, you know, it's always some, some situation like that. And it's the same old lame hook or whatever. And I thought, you know what, if the relationship is bad enough, why you ought to get out of there a little quicker than walking or driving away. I said, we ought to be making contrails. So I, I wrote that song called contrails. So basically burning it to get out of that relationship. When you're, when you, when walking or driving is not quick enough, then you can make contrails to get away from that person. So anyway, I like I thought, it. well, I, I, I think I might've been in a relationship like that a long time ago, but I'm not going to name any names. Yeah. Well, hopefully you're not still in it. That's the good part. No, I'm not. I was all good. Now tell me about, now tell me about wings. That's another one that has an aviation hook. Um, and then the, these tunes are so awesome. I, mean, I love the way that you write and play, but tell me a little bit about wings. Wings is just what got me on that one actually. And I, I hate to even bring this up because I don't like to, it just kind of irritated me a little bit. I saw, uh, and and I don't know John Travolta. I don't know anything about him, but uh, he was on there on TV, or, and you know he's he's uh, checked out on the seven forty seven, and he's got his tailored uniforms. And anyway, he was on there, you know, talking about something, and and I'm like, you know, it's cool. I'm I'm really glad that he's into aviation and has a passion for it. But what I don't, what I didn't really like is that uniform is not a. Uh, it's not an outfit, you know, you're not, you're not wearing that to go look pretty. It's a real, it's when you put that uniform on, you're walking away from your family and your kids and your loved ones and your home. And you're spending close to half of your life on the road doing something that you're very passionate about because it's, it does take a toll on, on the rest of your life. And, you know, there's a lot, lot more to what people think than you just put on a uniform, look nice, walk through the terminal. So that's where I got that, you know, the, these wings are, are not just uh, something that you see. They're not a decoration is what I'm looking at. I got you. So it's basically it's to set the record straight that putting on the wings, putting on the uniform is a responsibility. Yeah, and it's, it's a, a lifestyle. It's a, right? I was going to say, it's a lifestyle that you really have to accept. And, and folks are making sacrifices. Uh, you're making sacrifices on your end. Your family's making sacrifices on the other end, and really, it's not something to be taken lightly. That's right, man. You're you're going out there, and you don't know if you're coming back. And you know there are days when when that that kind of stuff happens, and uh, and you're kind of putting your your butt on the line when you think about it. You're going 600 miles an hour in a basically in a beer can strapped in there, you know, with jet engines on the side of it. So what can go wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of, uh, of, uh, of a beer can, something like that, let's go back to, um, to one of the other songs. Now was, it, is it, is it summertime or the other song or one of the other songs that has a kind of a cameo by Nashville ATC? Oh, that's a, that, that was the sky trucker. Uh, Rodney Turner, uh, old air traffic controller. He retired several years ago, but you know, talking about that song, I, I had a vision. I was like, it's a little different. I mean, how many people got air traffic controllers talking in their songs, you know, nobody that uh, I know about you, big city. (laughs) So anyway, I had that idea and, uh, they used to have some really cool arrivals that had like Waylon Jennings and Merle Haggard and stuff like that in the uh, in the arrivals going in and out of Nashville or like department. on their procedure page. Yeah, that's right. And so I always liked I liked that. I thought it was cool. And I was like, and I remembered this guy, you know, twenty years ago, uh, having a really, I mean, 
I would say the most recognizable air traffic controller voice I remember. You know, just kind of a really cool, you have to hear it. Of course, you can hear it on the song. But anyway, I started digging around. I was like, I'm going to get that guy to do this voice and, you know, do a voiceover and, and do this thing at the beginning and the end of Sky Trucker. And I, and I ended up calling the ATC tower and they knew exactly who I was talking about. And they gave me his name and contact info. So I called up Rodney and talked to him and I said, Hey man, this is a weird thing for me to be asking. Uh, but I would like to get you to do some voiceover work on, uh, on this song. And I said, I, I can get you in the studio. You know, it's no problem. I was trying to make it easy for him and I, and make him feel comfortable. And he goes, oh, that's no problem. He says, uh, I actually do voiceover work as a part-time gig. Uh-huh. <laughs> he already had his home studio set up, and uh, and he does it professionally on the side anyway. I was like, man, I couldn't ask for a better guy to do it. He's an actual air traffic controller and a voiceover artist. That's cool. I mean, you know, because being an ATC person, you really have to have a, a pretty smooth voice because you got to also have that – you know, you got that responsibility, but you got to maintain that calmness. And when, when, when the, That's right. when the, you know, the S hits the F, you got to still be calm. So look, I called up the ILS runway to right approach to BNA to Nashville. Uh-huh. And, and I see some waypoints on there. We got one that is Atkins, A-T-K-N-S. And that's named yeah. after, of course. Probably either Trace, Trace Atkins or Rodney Atkins. Probably Trace Atkins. Or I was thinking Chet Atkins. Oh, that would be more obvious. Yeah, you're right. No worries. Now, <laughs> there's another one called L-O-U-D-N. Would that be Loudon Wainwright? I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know about that one. L-O-U-D-I-N? Well, it doesn't have the I. It's L-O-U-D-N. Well, maybe someone listening to the podcast could tell us. Man, they changed those things. It kind of made me mad because uh, it used to, they were all the same forever, and then they changed them up, you know, six or seven years ago. Again. Well, that airport has a just a... A slew of approaches. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. it's the airport, but uh, but that is kind of cool. I know I read a story a while back about Arnold Palmer, the golfer, and of course he's got an arrival named after him too up in Pennsylvania. Well, hopefully, one of these days they'll, they'll maybe there'll be a, a big city Brian arrival you know, <laughs> somewhere. But um, tell me, tell me how you got the how you got the handle big city. Man, all right, this is these are stories that you probably shouldn't tell everybody, and uh, they're kind of beer stories, but. There's another Brian Wright that makes, you know, like an alternative kind of country Americana sound or whatever. So, I, of course, when I started making music, music, I was just going by Brian Wright. Well, I started booking shows. I was getting album reviews and, you know, just doing the, all the promo and networking that I could do. And I, can, I kept even like my local hometown newspaper wrote wrote uh, reviews on some of the stuff and it wasn't even the right album. It was this other guy's album. So any, I was getting mixed up with him. Yeah. Getting, getting confused between you and him. Yeah. Yeah. It was because our names are spelled exactly the same. We're both in the country world. I was getting booked as him. I even had people in the music business in Nashville that I was trying to get like artwork for and stuff done. And they thought I was this guy. So it, anyway, it kept getting confused. Well, for years, uh, my friends had always called me big city and it was, it was probably more of a joke, you know, of me coming from a small town to a big city and, you know, not really fitting in right away. So I, that's how I got that name. They just kind of jokingly called me big city. Gotcha. And, and I'm going to let people know again about your website. Then we're going to talk about that little city. 
So it's bigcitybrianwright.com and it's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, right, W-R-I-G-H-T.com. And that's where folks can download some of your music. They can listen to your songs. They can watch some videos. They can also plug into some really good blog work that you've done. You kind of, di- you know, let people know about that life on the road. And also there's some merchandise in there too. But let's talk about that small city. You and I were trading emails for a pretty good while. And and we have a tie to Georgia. I learned to fly Peachtree to Cab Airport in Atlanta. And my mechanic for my air coupe was down just south of, of Atlanta near Peachtree City in Noonan, Georgia. Now, that I think that's where you said you grew up, right? Yeah, I grew up in small town in Noonan, Georgia, and you know, back when it was Mayberry, and now it's—I uh, don't know how big it is now. It's probably a couple hundred thousand people, but yeah, I've, I've spent first eighteen years down there, and graduated, and then went across the state line over to Auburn University to pursue uh, aviation. So you went to the Auburn University and got in their aviation program. I did. When I got into it, there was no aviation in Georgia in the college, so I ended up getting. It's called the Academic Common Market. So I got a, I got to go to Auburn for in-state tuition through that program. So oh, it ended up being deal. actually really inexpensive to go there. That's great. So so Middle Georgia College, which is an aviation school, that was not in existence then. No, it wasn't. Uh, wow, because that would have yeah, been more was, convenient for you. Yeah, well, and uh, just taking a step back, I'll tell you this is kind of a funny story that. All right. In high school, kind of how I got into flying. And, I, don't, and I'll, I will ask you the same question in a minute. But senior year, the teacher says, well, anybody want to take the ASVAB test? And I'm like, uh, I don't want to take any test. And I don't even know what this is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she said, well, you get out of class and it's, and you, and it's non-Jeopardy. So, uh, and I said, okay, uh, you get out of class. That, that's, you had me at that part. So I was yeah. like, all right, sign me up. So I go take this ASVAB test. Here I am, you know, senior in high school, beginning of my senior year, captain of the soccer team and, you know, making pretty good grades. And I thought I kind of had the the world by the tail, you know, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. I hadn't really figured that part out yet. I figured like everybody else, you'll go to college and screw around and then kind of fall upon something. Well, this ASFAB test actually serves a purpose and it's made to give you based on how you answer questions, personality inventory questions, and, uh, and just regular, just, you know, skills and basic overall exam of how smart you are and what your interests are and where your high points are. Anyway, it comes back and it, and it gives you two jobs that you might be suited for. So, so, you know, I, I think I got the world by the tail and then the thing comes back and tells me a uh, truck driver and an airline pilot. I'm like, <laughs> Oh man, I mean, it was so weird. Because I, I, I wouldn't ever expect anything to suggest you to be a truck driver, you know, uh-huh. and, a, and a pilot is basically the same thing. It's like, how do, how do you even come up with that with based on how you answer all these questions of personality? But that's what it came up as. So I was like, well, all right, I'll, I'll go look at this. This pilot thing sounds kind of cool, you know. Yeah. One of my neighbors was a Eastern captain, and then there's a lot of Delta pilots down there that I got to go ask questions and learn about flying and then next thing you know i'm out at the newton airport spending every dollar i made that week to go you know fly an airplane and a little Cessna 150 i love that well my mechanic was down in luthersville so it's not that far from noonan and that's a beautiful part of atlanta and in fact a lot of delta pilots live in that little arc and there are a lot of grass fields right near there too yeah i'd like to have one one day that'd be awesome wouldn't it 
Yeah, it'd be awesome. It's something to keep your eyes out for. So you learned to fly down in Noonan, and I learned to fly on the north side of town at Peace to Cab. And I asked Fab, I just looked it up on the internet because I hadn't heard of it. Although I did take one of those vocational tests when I was in high school. What I came up with, it said, it's uh, via Google, it stands for the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery, a multiple choice test that helps you identify which jobs that you'd be best suited for. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I would highly recommend it to anybody, you know, who's probably just starting out and doesn't really know what they want to do because it did give me some direction. And yeah, and when you, when you get the results, uh, you know, assuming you answered everything honestly and it actually, it, it, you learn a lot about yourself that you probably already know, but it really points it out. I thought it was, and I've, I've probably taken two or three tests like that because I, uh, I was actually on scholarship at Auburn in the Navy ROTC for the first couple of years I was there. So I ended up taking a one or two more similar tests. It's really interesting. Outstanding. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Now, did you ever pursue mili- the military services? But that was my plan. You know, I wanted to go fly fighters in the uh, Navy. And then Bill Clinton decided he wanted to chop the military in half, uh, halfway through college. And it didn't look like I was going to be able to fly, according to uh, my advisors there in Auburn. So I kind of bailed out and went to the general aviation route after when my junior year kicked in. Now, after you got out of college and you were pursuing that, I know some a little bit of your backstory that you were fixing to really get on board with a sound like a major airline right when nine one one occurred back in uh, two thousand one, which is almost twenty years ago. Yep, that's right. I had good connections and uh, I I kind of thought, well, I'll hopefully you know end up flying for the hometown airline fly for delta one day and uh had an interview lined up there for december of uh 2001 and i was a brazilia captain at asa there in atlanta and you know it just kind of was everything was just you know firing on all cylinders and i was flying right through hitting all the hitting all the points and had just enough uh, experience to where i could get in uh, there's what it looked like of course that got canceled after 9-11 and and that kind of shut down my dream that I'd been working on for shoot at that time I guess it'd been it'd be close to eight or nine years you know so uh anyway what I tell people this all the time and it sounds still sounds a little bit crazy to me now but I'm so glad I did it instead of sitting around and feeling like you don't have any control anymore and you're not working towards anything I went and did I had time you know we there wasn't anything happening in the airline world there's nothing I could do anymore so it was just, I was glad to have a job. I had time on my hands and I said, I'm going to go do something else to fill this gap. You know, I've got energy and I've always been interested in music. I said, I'm going to go start a band. Might as well. Why not? It's fun. Hey, exactly. So in, in, at the time I, I wasn't dating anybody and, uh, I had just let go of the contrail girl. <laughs> yeah, from the, from which the song is named. Yeah, That's right. And, uh, and so then I, you know, I started playing music and i was like one of them it was actually another pilot buddy of mine he flies for a cargo hauler now too but we were sitting there one night and we were chasing these girls in in atlanta and spending a lot of money hanging out in these dumb joints you know places we didn't want to be trying to impress people we didn't even like with money we didn't have uh-huh. and uh and i <laughs> i was like we we sat there and said man i could fix all of this and he said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to start a band. I said, we're going to play the music we want to hear. We're going to drink free beer, and the girls are going to come to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, 
And so that's what we did. He went and bought a $150 drum kit at Dirt Cheap Music the next day, and he had always wanted to play drums his whole life. And so he started learning how to play drums. And then we were both not qualified to do either. I was I was trying to play guitar and sing. And then we ended up practicing for a couple months, and then we hired a, uh, a bass player and a lead guitar player that also played pedal steel, and we all started getting together. And at the time, nobody was playing like classic country music, so these guys wanted to play with us just because of what our music choices were. And then they they helped us to get better, and we formed this band. It's called Dixie Highway, and we started playing all over Georgia and, and local you know, hometown. And then, man, we, I mean, we made good money doing it too and had a freaking blast. I think that's a lot of fun. I know where cheap music is in Atlanta. I bought some stuff from them before. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in a little band called the Sagamores back in Atlanta and we played out too. We, we didn't make a ton of money. We money we made, we donated back to our local um, elementary school where all the band members basically had a daughter's in school. Oh, that's that's cool. But uh, but so now you're playing some pretty cool places in around Georgia, and that was in between when you really were were looking for a full time airline gig and and flying for ASA. That was a Delta partner. At yeah, that that's point. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were all lined up for that, and you just went in a whole nother direction. And you didn't have any regrets for that at all. You just wanted to do something creative and just get out of the house. No, I I actually was still. I mean, I was still working for the airline, and uh, but I was bidding reserve, and so I had a ton of time off. We we would have band practice, and then I'd go to work. You know, so it was it was a whole lot of fun. And then the funny part of that story that uh, you know, we set out to do was to get the girl or whatever. Well, the very first gig that we played. This lady, this girl walks up to me and asks to help carry my, my band equipment. And, uh, you know, here I am. What is this? Like 19 years later, we're married and we got two kids and, you know, we're still together. So I guess it worked out all right. I think you, I think you got a good one. And, and if you want to give a shout out to your wife and let folks know that she does make a cameo in a couple of these videos, go ahead and, and go ahead and give a shout out to her. Yeah. My, my, my wife, Angela, Angela Wright. And uh, she's a realtor, actually, in the Nashville area and has been for pretty close to 20 years. So her company is Abode Real Estate, and she's with uh, her main her main brokerage is Compass, Compass Real Estate. She's a hard worker, and she's a, a good mama, and I sure am glad I ran into her. And I, where I was going with the original part of that story is, when you know, when you feel like your life is out of control and you don't have, and nothing's going, and you know, whatever, man, do, you know, follow your heart, do what you do, what you love. And, uh, as crazy as that sounded like, I, I mean, I was not a good guitar player and I was not a good singer and didn't really had never written any songs. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go start a band. Well, in six months we were playing shows and people thought we were awesome. And I got this girl now, I mean, it's like everything. And then the, from then on out, I'm telling you, all the doors opened up for everything that I've done since then. And then if I had not taken that chance and done something that seems crazy that people could probably criticize me for, or, you know, or make, or say I'm crazy for doing it. It wasn't crazy. You know, I mean, it, it, it changed my whole world. Sure. Now, basically it's follow your heart and you write about this in one of your blogs, blessings in disguise. Yep. And it, you know, you say that it, it, sometimes it's time to do a pivot do something you always wanted to do. And, and looking back at you, Brian, y'all, you know, that was a great choice and it worked out great for you. 
and it's a good advice for other people to have, you know, if things aren't going well, do something that you do like, do something that you are good at, or do something, just do something different. And that could lead to other doors opening up. I love that advice. And it's the same with the flying. Like I, I really, when I first decided I'm going to go look into this flying thing, you know, my, I, what I knew when I was a kid was flying was expensive and you had to be in the military to do it, to be a pilot. I mean, that's what I thought, you know, and that was a barrier that had either been created for me or that I accepted as a barrier, you know, and I, and once I started asking questions and learning more about what I was trying to do, it, it was not a barrier anymore. You know, it was a self-imposed barrier and just like the music. I mean, you think you got to be born into that or you got to have some God-given talent and it's just going to be obvious from day one and, and then uh, everybody's going to, you know, want what you got. And, and it's not like that at all. It's like, just go do it, man. I mean, you make your own way in this world. The hardest part, I think, is just figuring out what you want to do. You know, write your story the way you want it to be written and then go figure out how to how to get there. That is excellent advice across the board for aviators and non-aviators alike. Basically, yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah, find your destiny and just go to it. And uh, and if you you know, some people might not know exactly what they want to do, and you might have to try a couple of things. And in aviation, you might start out as a corporate pilot and end up being a commercial pilot, or you might just want to be a CFI, or you might just want to just like I am. I've been a long time BFR pilot. I've been wanting to get my instrument rating forever. So yeah. I just need to get my get my act together, try something new, juggle a schedule, and just pursue it. Yep, that's right, man. But figure out the hard part is just figuring out, you know, what it is you want to do. Follow your passions. I mean, everybody's passionate about something. If you're not, then I don't know. You maybe you're you're using all the world's oxygen. You maybe maybe you need to figure out what you're passionate about because life is short. You don't want to be at the end of the rope and uh, looking back going, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have done that. I think that's great advice to end on big city, Brian, right? Cause we've kept you for a pretty good while here. I know you're in between missions and that following that advice is probably a good way for folks to, to think about their future and what they can do and what they can pursue. So and let, unless you have some more nuggets for us, we should probably wind it down pretty soon. Are you is well, your, is, are you still in the band? Let me ask this before we close. Are you still in the band? And if if you are, where can we find you? Oh yeah, just go to bigcitybrownright.com and I have you know the Facebook is the same same name and Instagram is uh, at Big City Rocks is where I post a lot of the the flying aviation stuff, but. Yeah, you can go to that website. My band is called the Honky Tonk Aristocracy. That's what I nicknamed them. Okay. And uh, and it's made up of, of guys from Reba McIntyre, Brooks and Dunn, a uh, bluegrass band called the Steel Drivers. Uh, a couple guys are in Gretchen Wilson's uh, road band. Another guy's in uh, Josh Turner's band. And then uh, another guy was in Keith, was Keith Urban's uh, guitar player. So, I mean, we got a pretty sharp group of elite musicians and I'm, I'm, a, I'm the weakest Definitely. link by, by far, but <laughs> you know, they make me look good, but they, we have a good time. We do a, a monthly live stream. It's called honky tonk itis inside Nashville. Okay. And so you can follow that and we play something different and we talk about what goes in, on inside of Nashville. 
music business wise and we have an interviewer uh, interview on there every time wow that sounds good well yeah i was gonna the, i asked the question wrong what i meant was like during the coronavirus you know pandemic you know shutdown were y'all still able to, to play out and having a live stream sounds like it fits the bill right now plus a little insight into the music scene that's right and uh i got this, all these guys played on my my album you know it's available if you buy it from me now on my website via a hard copy or a digital download the singles for the new album the album is called they're all drinking songs and uh it comes out on monday is the single uh for the first you know first single will be out on all the other streaming platforms itunes and all that stuff and it'll be a, a monthly release for the singles but the whole album will probably drop uh for the you know for all the big platforms probably in the next two or three months but that sounds good. anyway that's the that's the, the newest project that's going on right now and then uh like uh, like we mentioned at the beginning you know the aviation album will be probably towards the end of the year it'll start to slowly release as well so uh-huh and now um now i went ahead and signed up for for your website and i got some free songs out of that so folks could do that too right sign that's up right newsletter, i give a I give away five free songs and then you'll kind of be in my regular newsletter and, and you'll have opportunity to get as involved. You can, you can be a free person and hang out forever and I'll throw you some bones. Or if you want to help me, you know, continue to do the music thing, then you'll have that opportunity. we got a bunch of cool merchandise and you can buy music from me and, or you can be one of my members of my fan club It's called the honky talk aristocracy as well. I like it. And uh, those people get free music. Uh, forever you know it's it's a monthly every month they get a new song I, they get autographed copies of all my albums they get the uh, honky tonk gratis inside nashville show i actually have a uh, tour guide for nashville for anybody that's coming to visit here that i created myself oh wow it took me it took me about 100 hours to put this thing together but it's a local nashville tour guide that save you a ton of money and time if you ever come there so can they can they get that by signing in to the big city if they're in my membership, they get it for free. If they want to buy it, I think I sell it for five bucks. I can't remember uh, what it is, but that's available. And then I got a cookbook that I got a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, I do a lot of grilling and chilling on the uh, big green egg. So, you know, we got a bunch of cool recipes in there, stuff that I've uh, yeah. kind of invented along the way. But that's that's available as well. Well, I got one. More, I got I got one more question for you. One of your songs is "Daddy's Truck." And uh, my daughter, Lauren, has a, has a truck. It wasn't my truck, but she got a truck on her own when she got her license. But now, tell me about Daddy's Truck. Is that is that truck your daddy's truck that's on that song? It's I kind of wrote that as a perspective of maybe one of my kids one day. But it's it's at the time, it was the only vehicle they had ever known me to have. And, uh, you know, they, they could hear it had kind of big mud tires on it and a little bit loud exhaust. It's an old square body uh gmc jimmy gotcha uh, from the 80s but yeah they could hear me coming down the road and they and uh they knew when i was coming home and so that my kids kind of inspired that song but uh love it and that's available also on bigcitybrianwright.com that's right music. and you can buy that one anywhere that you can you know buy steel or or stream music is what i usually say Gotcha. Yeah, we were lucky to get to get uh, Scott Trekker on um, on Pandora recently. That was really helpful for you. Well, Big City, Big City Brian, it's been an awesome honor. After trading emails and phone calls for about a year, we finally made it happen. I really appreciate it. 
Well, I appreciate your love for aviation and music, and I like your writing, and uh, I hope we can get together and, and have a cold one one day. I like that. I'll bring my Fender Precision bass guitar, and maybe we'll do some tunes. Absolutely. All right, Big City Brian, safe flights to you. Appreciate you dropping in today for Hangar Talk, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again and see each other in person one day soon. All right, take care, David. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, David, that was that was a great chat. I, you know, I've often thought it's like that's a that's a good way to combine careers, right? It's like airline pilots who get lots of time off and time in hotels to work on songs and you know playing their guitar and everything else. It's like he's he's got it made there. Bring your guitar with you on those long haul trips, and that's all I gotta say. And just a reminder: bigcitybrianwright.com to get his music. And don't forget to check us out on Pandora for the top 100 flying songs. Absolutely. Don't forget, uh, there are other ways to make money in aviation. You know, Cargo Holland is a cool way to do it. And Brian laid out some really good points about how that could be beneficial and, you know, how that might be a good way to go in aviation. It's not something people always think about, but it should be in the back that's of true. your mind. Okay, hey, that's all the time we have for this week. I'm Ian Twomley. Our editor is Austin Hansen. And I'm David Tulis. Don't forget, you can always get us at aopa.org slash talk, And we're also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually tell Alexa to play AOPA Hangar Talk. Just find us wherever you get your podcasts and give us a listen. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time, Ian. Hangar Talk from AOPA. Your freedom to fly.